Hello and welcome to the Hearts to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 25. Today we're going to talk about the Packers. The Packers look dominant on Sunday Night Football. Also, Herbert sets the all-time rookie passing touchdowns record. Kamara scores six touchdowns on Christmas. And what are the Dolphins going to do with Tua? Also, in the Premier League, Liverpool drops points against West Brom at home. Tottenham and Wolves tie. Also, in the NBA, the Clippers. The Clippers lose by 51 points to the Mavs. Crazy, crazy stuff. We'll touch on that. And the Lakers. The Lakers take care of the Timberwolves. Their depth is really shining. We'll touch on that, too. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode number 25. My name is Ismael San Juan. Let's get started. First and foremost, I just want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Uh, Whatever you're celebrating during these times, I want to wish you guys the health and wealth and hope you guys are having a good time with your family or whoever, loved ones, whoever you're spending it with, even if you're spending it alone. I know it's tough times right now. I want to wish y'all Happy Holidays and hope you guys are doing well. But let's get started right away. The Packers played the Titans on Sunday Night Football in what I thought was going to be a great game. I thought the Titans were going to be able to keep up with the Packers. I thought Derrick Henry was going to be able to run. Uh, the conditions kind of set it up like that. Pre-game, I was watching the snowstorms. I was watching all the, the broadcasts, and it was snowing pretty hard. I thought it was going to be hard for Aaron Rodgers to throw the football. I thought it was going to be a running type of game. I was like, oh, this sets up perfectly for the Titans. They're going to be able to run Derrick Henry down the middle. Um, we're really going to see how how the Packers' defense has improved from last year because if you guys don't remember, they got destroyed by the Niners because they couldn't stop those runs down the middle to the side. They just couldn't stop the run. That was their main weakness. That's why they got ran out of town by the Niners in the playoffs last year. And I was intrigued to see if the Packers were for real, if their defense has really improved. Uh, the rushing leader was coming into Lambeau, uh, hunting for 2,000 yards. You know, he, in the MVP conversation, during snowy conditions, I was like, all right, this sets up perfectly for the Titans. It's going to be a run game. Uh, Williams was out for the Packers. Jones had a injury coming into the game. We really hadn't seen a lot of A.J. Dillon. So I was like, all right, this the, the Titans have a chance. Even though I rate uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers way higher than Tannehill, Tannehill has had a good season. So I was like, all right, uh, the weather is definitely going to help the Titans, in my opinion. But I forgot that the Packers are used to this. They're, that's their home field. This is December. They're, they're more experienced. And they showed up, and they dominated the Titans. The Titans looked weak. Uh, Tannehill threw two interceptions that were pretty bad, bad decisions, should have never thrown that ball, but he was pressing. Uh, he knew he had to keep up with uh, Aaron Rodgers, and that defense is just abysmal. The Titans, I've lost I've lost hope on the Titans making it to the Super Bowl or even deep playoff run. That defense is atrocious. They can't get pressure on the quarterback. There's no way they go anywhere with that defense. You can't not pressure the quarterback and expect to make a deep run. Uh, even in the telecast, they were saying that the Packers were running plays that they normally don't don't call, that they normally don't wouldn't use just because they knew they were going to have extra time. And it showed Rodgers had all day. And if you give Rodgers that much time with Devontae Adams on the right or anywhere, where they line them up anywhere. But if you have Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and you give them six seconds to throw, uh, it's your barbecue chicken. You have no chance of stopping that. 
they are, in my opinion, the best wide receiver to QB connection in the NFL. Ahead of Mahomes and Tyreek, ahead of wh- whoever you want to put, Hopkins and Murray, uh, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, whoever you want to put. I think uh, Rodgers and Devontae Adams are just on a different level. He missed a lot of games, and he's leading the NFL and receiving touchdowns. He put up uh, 11 catches, 142 yards, and three touchdowns. Just on Sunday Night Football, just an amazing performance on primetime. National uh, audience, they, they showed up. And then now they have a running game to go with this, so the Packers are looking very scary. Well, Like I said, Williams didn't play yesterday. Aaron Jones looked like they were kind of – not running him as much because he, I believe he had a toe issue going into the game. So they ran Dylan. He had two touchdowns over 100 yards. Dylan and Jones combined for 218 yards rushing. Uh, Rodgers had uh, four touchdowns passing. He didn't even break the 300 passing mark. <clears throat> That's how you know they were beasting. If Rodgers doesn't have to go for over 300 yards, he throws for four touchdowns, and they destroy what they were 10 and four coming into the into the game. They destroy a 10 and four team, 40 and 14. They they um they held uh Derrick Henry to 98 yards. Just impressive all around game by the Packers. Uh, it looks like they should be able to keep that number one spot. I know the Bears are fighting for that for that playoff position on Week 17. But the Packers have it pretty simple. They win They win in Week 17, and they have the number one seed. They get the first-round bye. And anybody that wants to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC has to go to Lambeau, has to go to the Frozen Tundra. I think they take care of business on Week 17. And uh, I, think, uh, I think they should be one of the favorites or maybe the favorite for the NFC to make it to the Super Bowl. I know the Seahawks are rounding up into form. Uh, the Saints are going to be in trouble with Kamara and Michael Thomas. But the Packers, if you have to go to Lambeau, if you're a dome team like the Saints or you're West or like you're Seattle or or you're not really used to snow and you have to go to the Packers stadium to Lambeau, that's going to be rough. And now that defense, that defense looks like they're starting to be legit, especially when they're up. If the Packers take a a somewhat big lead on you, it's trouble. Uh, Jair Alexander, he's a beast. He was locking down A.J. Brown, Davis. Anybody that they put uh, Jair Alexander on, he was dominant last night. Uh, just all around, I'm very impressed by the Packers. I like what I'm seeing from them. And Sunday Night Pro- Sunday night Football just proved it even more. Uh, I really see the Packers going deep. They just need to win two games to go to the Super Bowl. I, this might be the year the Packers return to the Super Bowl. I would not be surprised. And I will say that Rodgers deserves the MVP. Mahomes has kind of been struggling the last two two weeks and Rodgers has been balling so I think because of that I think he finishes uh, finishes the season off with a strong showing against the Bears cements himself as the MVP he'll be a three-time MVP by then and he might be on his way to the Super Bowl so just an overall great season by the Packers if there's cheeseheads listening to this shout out to you guys the Packers look strong the Packers look dominant the Packers look like they're gonna have a deep playoff run and I'm excited to see how it plays out but Overall, just dominant performance by the Packers on Sunday Night Football and Aaron Rodgers for MVP. But on Sunday, Herbert also broke a record. He broke the rookie passing uh, touchdowns record. He threw one touchdown, I believe, got him to 28, um, broke the tie with Baker Mayfield. Just another achievement by Justin Herbert in this amazing rookie season that he's having. Just shout out to Justin Herbert. Uh, There was a lot of people that were not 
too confident on what he could do coming into the NFL. And me being one of them, I was reading up all this stuff. I was watching some film. Like, I was, people were breaking down film. They were analyzing what they were seeing from him. And I was like, all right, I kind of see where you're coming from. I'm going to agree with you. I, I see what you're seeing. But I think it just shows that he had bad coaching in Oregon because with no offseason or a short offseason and getting thrusted into the into the starting <clears throat> position for the Chargers, he's shined. He's looked great. He's looked like a franchise quarterback. Uh, Chargers are lucky. They're gonna move forward. They're gonna have Herbert for years and years to come. It's gonna be it's gonna be great to see Herbert just keep maturing, build on this great rookie season. So now he has 28 passing touchdowns in the season. And if you guys remember, he did not play week one. He started week two. So, I mean, he he has the potential to be the first rookie to throw for 30 touchdowns ever. He needs two more touchdowns in week 17 against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have everything wrapped up, so they have nothing to play for. I think he gets to 30. I think he he sets that new that new record, he's, he sets the bar a little higher for future rookies to break. 30 touchdowns by Herbert would be would be a crazy season, especially because he missed week one. And uh, the only bad thing, the only bad thing I have to say about uh, Herbert or his heroics or his great season is that it looks, by the looks of it, it looks like he's going to save Coach Lynn's job. I've talked to a lot of Charger fans. I've seen Charger games on TV. I know the problem that Lives has. He struggles at time management, uh, time untimely timeouts. He doesn't know when to take him. He doesn't know how to like control the pace of the game. He makes questionable decisions. His special teams is terrible. Uh, I know. I know a lot of Charger fans, and everybody wants him gone. But Herbert, his only mistake might be that he's playing so well that he's gonna save. Coaches Lynn's job. The Chargers are on a three-game winning streak right now. They're playing the Chiefs to finish out the season. Like I said, the Chiefs wrapped up everything already. They have nothing to play for. I, I believe they're maybe going to play like a half or like a quarter, and then they're going to bench everybody just to keep them in rhythm, just to keep them safe. So I could definitely see the Chargers beating the Chiefs in Week 17, and then the Chargers will finish 7-9 and nine on a four-game winning streak. It'll be hard, and, I, and by all accounts, by all accounts, it, it Spanos loves Lynn. So if you end the season on a four-game winning streak and a big win against the Chiefs, a comeback win against the Falcons, and a comeback win against the – or a last-minute last minute wins against the Falcons, last-minute wins against the Broncos, last-minute win against the Raiders – I think uh, it'll be hard. It'll be hard to see Spanos firing Lynn, even after all his mistakes that he's made. Even though the eye test is not there, even though like almost the whole fan base is calling for him to get fired, it'll be real hard to for him to get fired. If he didn't get fired after the whooping that the Patriots put on them when they lost like forty five zero, I I just don't see him getting fired at the end of the season. So that's the only that's the only mistake that Herbert did. He's playing too well. He's going to save Lynn's job, and for his sake, I believe if he got a better coach, maybe an offensive, a better offensive mind, uh, someone that would run like crazy plays, kind of like uh, how Andy Reid draws up these beautiful plays for Mahomes, that would really help his career. But he's already doing great, so even he might be able to be great or take the Chargers to success, even with Lynn there. He might just be, it might just be like a Rodgers and, and McCarthy situation because we know how McCarthy has kind of... The light on him has changed now that he's not doing so well with the Cowboys, even though he has a chance to win the division. I digress. But I really like what I'm seeing from Herbert. Uh, 
I think Herbert and Mahomes has the potential to be the best quarterback battle between division um, quarterbacks. So, like, the Chargers and the Chiefs playing the same division, Mahomes versus Herbert. We're going to see that for many, many years. Uh, Mahomes just signed a 10-year contract. Herbert's a rookie, so he has at least four more years, and then he, he could get franchise tech twice before he could legit move move away. So we have six years minimum of Herbert versus Mahomes, and I'm pretty sure the Chargers, if they're not dumb, if they should keep him long-term. So we're going to see Herbert and Mahomes for at least 10 years, I believe, and that's going to be great TV. That's going to be must-watch TV, Herbert versus Mahomes for the next 10 years twice twice a year that's ridiculous uh i was actually trying to find who who could compete against that who would be another inner division quarterback battle that is uh on par with what herbert and mahomes could be and uh the only ones that i could think of is breeze versus matt ryan or cam newton when they were all elite in the same division big ben versus joe flacco uh that was another one that came to mind um, but Breeze versus Matt Ryan or Cam. I mean, Breeze and Matt, Matt Ryan was an MVP. Breeze, I believe he's never won. He might have won one. I don't, uh, but I'm not sure. I believe he hasn't actually. So Matt Ryan is the only MVP. Cam won an MVP. So that's a good one. Uh, Matt Ryan versus Cam. Cam versus Breeze. Breeze versus Ryan. Any way you want to put that, that's a good QB battle. I think Mahomes versus uh, Herbert has potential to be better than that. Big Ben versus Joe Flacco. Big Ben. Uh, he he's had elite years. He's he's definitely been a top five quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Joe Flacco, even on his on his best day, I don't think he's a top five quarterback, or maybe even top ten. He was he had a great Super Bowl run, but other than that, I don't think he's like amazing. Or he, he's had amazing seasons. So I I would put Herbert and Mahomes to be above that one. And then the other one that had potential to be like all time great was Luck versus Watson. Deshaun Watson was barely breaking out. He had injuries his first few years. And then Luck retired. So that one's another one that I was like, whoa, that one would have been sick. Luck versus Watson. But now Herbert versus Mahomes. I think that's going to be the best quarterback battle within the divisions ever. I mean, if I'm missing some, I don't know. Is there more? I, I, I'm not that old, so I don't I don't know, like, divisions back then and who had quarterback battles between divisions. And don't say, like, Brady versus Manning because that's the East and that's the South. I'm talking about if you're in the same division – uh, who's the best quarterback of all time? Like, quarterback battle. And I'm saying Mahomes and Herbert has a chance to be the best one. But anyways, I want to just congratulate Herbert on breaking the rookie record for passing touchdowns. Great accomplishment, great season, great for the Chargers to have their franchise quarterback. And I hope he scores two touchdowns. He throws for two touchdowns on Week 17, and he sets. he's the first one to hit 30 by a rookie. That would be great, and I'm, I'll be excited to see that. But moving along, Kamara scores six touchdowns on Christmas. Amazing performance. If you had him on fantasy or if you were playing against him, he, ru- he either ruined or made your Christmas. Uh, re- <laughs> if you have him in fantasy or if you don't have him in fantasy, if you're playing against him. Thankfully for me, I had him in one of my leagues, so I was very static. Uh, first time anyone has six rushing touchdowns since 1929. So we were witnesses to history. It had almost been 100 years since that last happened. Kamaro, and he could have gone for seven. That's the crazy thing. The 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 Saints had the ball at the one-yard line and decided to give it to Taysom Hill when Kamaro was at five. So he could have had potentially seven touchdowns. Uh, just crazy, crazy performance. 
uh, it was a sight to behold, uh, especially because he had Cook on the other side. Dalvin Cook, who many have him as the top three. I mean, just as wide receivers, it's hard to say who's the best one. I say Devonta Adams right now. But running backs, running backs, it's hard to say who's the best one too. Like Kamara had a, has had a great season. Uh, Cook has had a great season. You can't ignore Derrick Henry. Uh, McCaffrey's hurt, but when he's back, uh, there's just a lot of running backs right now. Jacobs, Chubb. There's a lot of running backs right now. Uh, Barkley, we still have to see what he he does in the NFL. But there's a lot of running backs that could get the throne, that could be the number one running back in the NFL. And Kamara with his six touchdowns, he has 21 for the season, I believe now. Just amazing, amazing season. Is he the best running back in the NFL right now? That's the question of the day. Is Kamara the best running back in the league? Uh, I think he's definitely up there. Uh, as far as pure running back, like just running the ball between the between the tackles. I think I think Derek Derek Henry and Dalvin Cook edge him out right there on and Chubb probably just on pure running ability. Uh I think it would be like maybe Henry, then Cook, then Chubb as just pure pure running backs, maybe even Jacobs, but now nah, I think uh, Henry Cook Chubb are like the best pure running backs just if you just want to run them um, up the gut or to the side on a stretch play, just running the ball basically. But once you consider the passing ability and throwing, putting them out as wide receivers and just being a, a completely like versatile, do everything type of running back, I think that's when Kamara really pushes and he could be the best running back. Him and McCaffrey just offer a whole different dimension uh, of catching, of uh, being another wide receiver, running routes better than wide receivers. So once you combine the running ability and the passing and the catching ability, I think it comes down to probably Henry just because he's so dominant on the running side. And then McCaffrey and Kamara probably are the top three running backs. Cook can catch a little bit too, but uh, I would say Kamara is definitely a top three running back. Who are the other two? That's for you guys to decide. But I think he's a top three running back. He's he's great. I, I, he's elegant. The way he runs is so elegant. He runs like effortlessly. Sometimes it looks like he's not even trying. Uh, he he dresses really nice too. Like his his aesthetics, uh, the armband that he has on his arm that looks nice. He just looks he looks good as a running back. He looks it's it's a nice sight to see when you're watching him run, when you're watching him break tackles. Uh, his spin move is ridiculous too. He he has a spin move that he breaks out of tackles. He uses that a lot. Uh, he just looks like a gazelle out there. He it doesn't look like he's trying. He's calm. He always looks under control. Uh, the way he jumps into the end zone or like he jumps into tackles sometimes and just throws his body out there and takes the hit and keeps going. It, it's I mean if you guys if you guys have watched Kamara, you know what I'm talking about. Is he's in a special special player. So I just want to congratulate him one more time. Six touchdowns on Christmas. Uh, I know everyone was talking about it during Christmas. It was a great game and. Uh, as far as the Saints, Michael Thomas is out right now. He's on IR. He should be back by the playoffs. Drew Brees looked a little shaky. He should have had a couple picks. But uh, I think uh, they have one more game left. I think they take care of business. They win that game. They still have potential to get the number one seed. But even if they don't, they should get a home game. They will get a home game uh, at the Dome. And then uh, if, if Michael Thomas comes back and he's anywhere close to the Michael Thomas we all know, and Kamara's on fire, and if Breeze, you know, gets back into form, the Saints are dangerous. Their defense is nice. Kamara is a legit 
number one weapon anywhere. Michael Thomas is a legit number one weapon too. So, uh, and that defense looks like they could get it done. They're, they could pressure the quarterback. They have some nice uh, defensive bags. Uh, the Saints, the Saints are going to give a lot of teams trouble, and they're a scary team. Uh, like I said, Kamara could take over a game all by himself. We've seen him do it on Christmas, and uh, just amazing, amazing stuff. Which is crazy because uh, it, it puts into perspective what like Ladanian Tomlinson did back in the day. Like, he had Kamara scored six, and he has twenty one now, and he he needs like nine to break Ladanian Tomlinson's record in the last week. So, and Kamara has been scoring touchdowns in bunches this whole season. It just there's that that record is impressive now that I'm thinking about it more. 20, 28, 29 touchdowns in a season, that's ridiculous. But that should wrap it up. For Kamara, just congratulate Kamara. Thank you for uh, putting on a show during Christmas, especially because the NBA Christmas games didn't really provide that much entertainment. They were all blowouts. So this was a blowout too, but it was close for a little bit. But thank you, Kamara, for putting on a show on Christmas. Uh, Amazing, amazing performance. What should the Dolphins do with Tua and Fitzpatrick? If you guys didn't watch the game on Saturday, the Dolphins played the Raiders, and the Raiders were up on that game. Tua and the Dolphins' offense was not going up and down the field. They were struggling to get drives going. Uh, it was frustrating it was, uh, to watch as a neutral. If you're if you're a Dolphins fan, I bet you were super frustrated just seeing the season slip away. We all know that Dolphins have to win out to keep that playoff position, and they have the Colts, they have the Browns, they have the Titans, the Ravens. Even the Raiders that they were playing, they were all vying. They're all vying for that last playoff spot. Dolphins had to win to stay alive to um, control their own destiny. Especially playing the Bills in Week 17, like this scenario was just. It was. If you're a Dolphins fan, I know you were stressed out day after Christmas. Don't need all that stress. That offense was not moving. And then. Flores does the unthinkable or what a lot of people would think it's unthinkable, but Flores has just done it this season. He pulls his franchise quarterback, his future. He pulls him and he inserts Fitzpatrick. And as soon as Fitzpatrick gets onto the field, he starts driving the Dolphins down the field. He starts uh, sustaining drives. The Dolphins go field goal, touchdown, field goal with him on the on the helm. And he just looks great. He had a crazy play at the end of the season, at the end of the game. Uh Raiders took a two-point lead. Uh, they could have scored a touchdown, but they decided to run the clock down, kick the field goal. It's a two-point lead. Dolphins get the ball back with 19 seconds left. Fitzpatrick steps up into the pocket. Raider lineman grabs him on the helmet. That's a roughing the passer, or like, uh, yeah, they call it roughing the passer. He his he's he, his neck is getting yanked as he throws the football. Throws it down the sideline. Blown coverage. Completes a beautiful pass down the sideline. Plus 15 yards because of the roughing the passer. Now they're like in the 20, in the 20 yard of the Raiders or something like that, the 25. They kick a 44 yard field goal and they win the game. They walk out of Las Vegas. They beat the Raiders. Crazy, crazy finish. Fitzpatrick gets it done. Uh, here's some numbers. Uh, Tua played like three and, and like a quarter, three and a quarter of the fourth quarter. And he threw for 94 yards on 22 attempts, one touchdown. Uh, pretty abysmal numbers, if I do say so myself. It's less than five yards per attempt. It's almost four yards per attempt. 
um completion percentage is pretty high he's like in the high 70s or in the 70s one touchdown but Tua is starting to just be Mr. Captain Checkdown he does not force the ball down the field at all he doesn't push it he he the more I see him the more I, I see his limitations as a quarterback his arm looks really really weak in my opinion he he, the velocity on the football doesn't look like it's there. It kind of looks like the ball hangs up in the air a lot when he throws it. And for all, he does take care of the football, but even then, he throws. He's throwing a lot of passes at, from what I've seen in the season that should have been intercepted, and they just dropped it. Even against the Raiders this game, he threw a pass down the middle when he was rolling left, and it should have been intercepted. The the defense just dropped it. But the offense with Tua is. You kind of want to pull your hair out. It looks very slow. It looks very like predictable. Just check down, check down, run it with your running back, do a draw play, and then he's not a Tua. I thought he was more mobile. He looked more mobile in college, but I guess better athletes in the NFL. He does not look that mobile. He he be scrambling and he gets like four yards, and he he has to like throw himself on the ground because everybody's catching up and they're about to put a big hit on him. I, I might be judging Tua too hard right now, but. He, he does the offense does look way slower less less exciting less uh there's like no threat of them going just going down the field they gotta sustain long long drives or hope like a running back or somebody breaks a tackle uh he's never really pushing it down the middle or down the sideline it, it really is kind of hard to watch the, the offense when two is there and then as soon as Fitzpatrick came in he was pushing down the ball down the seam down the sidelines, it was just there was this pass he he did to Gusecki um, on the first drive that was right down the middle, a beautiful throw. Uh, you could just tell the offense just looks way better with Fitzpatrick on the helm. The thing is, Fitzpatrick is also susceptible for just throwing the whole game away. He he could definitely just have three or four interceptions in one game. We've all seen him done it and with multiple teams. So that's where like I, I'm like, all right, this is your franchise quarterback, so you gotta give him playing time. You gotta let him grow through his struggles but Fitz just looks way better when he goes in there so it's definitely it's definitely something to watch out how is Flores gonna keep this going if he plays Tua against the Bills and they lose and they miss out on the playoffs how is that gonna sit with the with the locker room that you you could probably have a better chance of winning with Fitzpatrick but because you're trying to give the keys to the car to Tua you just keep playing him playing him and uh, he's had some impressive games, but there's been a lot of games where you're like, okay, like his arm just doesn't look that great. His mobility doesn't look that great. And he's not pushing the ball down the field. And Fitz, he's old. He's like 36, 37 years old. So he's definitely not the future. So I get it. I get why you play Tua. But I just, I worry for the for the locker room's sake. If the Dolphins lose to the Bills, the Bills are still playing for seeding. Even if they win against the Patriots, they're still going to be fighting for seeding positioning. So they do have somewhat of something to play for in Week 17. Divisional rival, too. You could eliminate them. I think they'll play their players, or at least if the game's in hand. If like the Dolphins take a big lead, then the Bills, I feel like they'll just concede and bench their players and not get injuries. But if the game's in limbo or they take a lead, I think they'll play their players. And if Tua struggles, which he could, the the Bills defense has been playing a little better as of late. Uh, it's gonna be hard to keep that locker room together, especially and Tua. Tua, here's another here's another thing I want to think about. I, at the beginning of the season, I was defending him after one game when people were like, "Oh my God, he's struggling." I say you got there's like ten games to be played. You gotta give him a chance. 
if have you seen enough from Tua to keep him? Uh, he got what drafted fifth overall. He fell to them. But have the Dolphins seen enough of Tua to keep him? Like now we're talking about the Cardinals. Now the Cardinals scenario is starting to really make sense. If you're not, if you don't believe in Tua, because if you're benching him for Fitzpatrick, how how highly do you think of him? Like I saw, I saw Tua. He's kind of clowning on him. It's like, yeah, 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 this is your team, but we really need to win this game. So I'm benching you for Fitzpatrick. I know everyone's reporting that it's been great. It's all dandy. It's all nice. Uh, Fitzpatrick and Tua don't have an ego. Like. Tua doesn't mind getting benched for Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick doesn't mind not starting, even though he's playing better than Tua. And it's all perfect and it's all good. But if if they lose to the Bills, if, if Tua has another poor showing, and we've seen what Burrow has done this season, we've all seen what Herbert has done this season, and how much a quarterbacks with just physical, great talent, big arms, 6'6", could do for you, uh, do the Dolphins... Do the Dolphins consider taking Justin Fields? Uh, they own the Texans pick. And right now, if the season ended after week 16, the Texans would have the third overall pick, which would be handed over to the Dolphins. And we all know the Jaguars are picking uh, Lawrence. And the Jets are the number two. And they've just won two games in a row where Darnold has looked pretty good, pretty impressive, if I do say so myself. He played good against the Rams. He played good against the um the Browns. So, is there a scenario where uh, the Jets take the, uh, the Jets don't take Justin Fields and he falls to three to the Dolphins? What do the Dolphins do at that point? You have Justin Fields, who has a bigger arm, who's more mobile than Tua. Uh, do you do what the Cardinals did last year and move on, or two years ago and move on from Rosen to get uh, Kyle Murray? Is that in play now? Now that you have 10 games of Tua, are you impressed enough by Tua to not get Justin Fields? And Justin, I mean, Justin Fields has, a lot of people have uh, some problems with him. They uh, they don't, not everyone's on the Justin Fields hype train. That's what I'm saying. But is that, a, is, do you consider that as a Dolphins? Uh, Dolphin fans out there, answer that for me. Uh, is is that a possibility? If, if uh, Justin Fields doesn't get taken by the Jets, number two, falls to number three, to the Dolphins, are you considering taking Justin Fields and moving on from Tua, or is that too crazy? Because, I mean, Tua has been fine. He's been all right. I feel like if we were, like, in 2000, mm, like, four or five for, for a rookie season, that would be a more than dandy season. It will be perfect. You'll be you, – you put it in the books. You look – you assess it, and you'll be like, oh, that's a great season by a rookie quarterback. But now in 2020, when QBs are playing earlier, they're not sitting anymore. They're having success real early. And the two quarterbacks in your draft class had great seasons. One of them ended shortly because of injury. Uh, is that too crazy? I know Tua, he's still coming back from an injury, the hip. So maybe if you give him an offseason, he gets a little more sip on his arm. But I don't think it's too crazy of a thought to be considering about Justin Fields. Uh, especially if the barometer is Fitzpatrick. I mean, I love Fitzpatrick. I liked, I wanted him to be a franchise quarterback when the Bills had him. And he had that, I think he had like a six touchdown game against the Patriots or something like that. And that's like when Fitzmagic really started to pop off. I wanted him to become a franchise. I was rooting for him. But we all know what Fitzpatrick is throughout his season, throughout his years. He's a great journeyman, journeyman quarterback and he could definitely help. 
groom a quarterback, but he's not a franchise quarterback. If you're, you shouldn't be losing QB battles to Fitzpatrick if you really are the future, in my opinion. Even if you're a rookie, or maybe if you're a rookie, that's a pass. But maybe I'm just being too harsh on, on Tua. But but the difference was night and day. You can't ignore the difference. And the Raiders have a abysmal defense. It's not like he, Tua was playing against a great defense. That that's that's another point. The, the Raiders have one of the worst defenses, and the Chargers had just played the Raiders the weekend before. Justin Herbert had just torched that defense. Same same rookie class, both rookies, and it was night and day. I know the Chargers have a little bit better weapons, but uh, what's his name? Allen was hurt. He hardly played against the Raiders. He was thrown to a bunch of undrafted free agents. And Tua has Flores, and Herbert has Lynn. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. The eye test is kind of not there so far this season with Tua. He looks a little slow. His arm looks a little weak. Uh, what do you do? If you were the Dolphins coach, what would you do? Would you play Fitzpatrick Week 17 or you stick it out with Tua or you do the same thing? Start with Tua, keep the game closed, and then have Fitzpatrick come in and win it? That could work. That could work because Fitzpatrick could throw the game away during the during the whole course of the game. And if you just put him at the end, he might just be the spark you need. But I don't know. A real interesting situation with the Dolphins. I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm excited to see... Who he starts, I think he said Tua's going to start, but we never know with coaches. I'm excited to see who starts, if they win, if they get in the playoffs, who gets to start in the playoffs. If they don't win, if Tua plays bad and they miss the playoffs, the reaction of the locker room, the reaction of the fans. And then I'm excited to see how the Texans finish out. If the Dolphins get a top three draft pick, what do they do? If Justin Fields falls to them, what do they do? He I, honestly, I don't think he'll fall to them. So that that would be a mute point. They won't even have the chance to uh, to make that happen. But if it does happen, that'd be that'd be crazy. I'll be watching out for the Dolphins pick if that does happen. But that does it for the NFL. Moving along to the Premier League, West Brom got a point from Tottenham at Anfield. Who would have thought? Uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Especially because Liverpool had an early game, early goal. Uh, Mane scored a goal like in the 17th minute. 1-0 lead by Liverpool at home. They just beat Crystal Palace 7-0 last weekend. Everyone's thinking easy game for Liverpool. West Brom's in a relegation zone. They're gonna trounce them. They're gonna score four, three, four, five goals on them. Easy peasy. But no, to to West Brom's credit, they hung in there. They put 10 people behind the ball. They hunkered down. If anything, they were going to take the 1-0 loss, but they were in, they were able to create enough chances to get the 1-1 tie. They had one. They had another chance to tie it when it was 1-0, but uh, Allison had a good one-on-one save. And then they were able to get the 1-1 tie off a corner kick. Thoroughly deserved by West Brom. Liverpool, I think they looked a little lassodaisical. Uh, I think uh, after coming from a big high, a big win of winning 7-0, playing West Brom, who's like 19th in the table. Uh, I think they might have came into this game a little too high on themselves. They were probably feeling themselves. They probably thought all they had to do was show up and it was going to come naturally to them at home versus West Brom. Uh, I think it's natural to have a letdown. But if they would have won, they would have gone, what, five, six points, five points clear of the table. Everton would have been six points clear. They would have won. They would have been six points clear of Everton in second place in a season where the where everyone's dropping points. Everyone dropped points this this week, um, except Everton. But United dropped points. 
uh, Chelsea draw points, Tottenham draw points. It was going to be good for Liverpool to take this advantage. Matip got hurt. So I think it was a very important game for Liverpool against the opponent that they played to build that gap against number two, um, to keep building their lead on City, on United. And they dropped, they dropped the ball. Uh, but I do want to res- uh, respect for West Brom. Uh, Sam did a masterclass. Their new, their new head coach, Sam Allardyce. He's never been relegated. He he got brought in, I believe, last week. So great, great showing with West Brom. They put they played a six four basically. They put six center back, not six center backs, but six in the back line, four in the line in front of them, four in the midfield, and they had no one up there. They were just hunkering down Klopp after the game he was kind of complaining to the press saying that it's hard to create chances when they play a 6-4 when they have 10 people behind the line but he should have seen this coming what is West Brom gonna do to get a result at Anfield playing Liverpool like there's not a lot of things that that squad could do with those players with they're spending like if they want to have any chance against Liverpool, that's what they got to do. Sam set up his team perfectly. Sam masterclass. Sam has never been uh, relegated. He's he's coached a lot of teams throughout the Premier League. He's he's a well known coach, but now he gets brought in to save West Brom from relegation, and he gets his point at Liverpool, which is crazy. The first points that Liverpool has dropped all season at Anfield. So. Is West Brom gonna? Is he gonna do enough to save West Brom? He might. Like I said, he's never had. He's never been relegated, so his, his track record's there. And uh, getting a tie at Liverpool is definitely gonna build momentum. He's gonna have the team believing in him. Um, they're five points away from safety, so I'm kind of rooting for West Brom to stay. I like I like their storyline, but who who's gonna drop down? Burnley or Sheffield looks like they're kind of guaranteed at this point. Uh, Brighton maybe I don't know but it's going to be an exciting exciting uh, Fulham's there it's going to be exciting to see how it plays out uh, I do want to see if Sam has it in him to save another team from the Premier League uh, from getting relegated uh, I think he might do it Sam Miller dice I like what I, I like what I saw uh, he doesn't care what people think of his tactics he just gets it done so I'm excited to see how West Brom plays and for Liverpool like I said they just look like it was just an off day and props to West Brom for just getting their tactics right and not giving anything to Liverpool. And as far as Liverpool, I think they're still the class of the Premier League. They have the best players. They have the best coach. Klopp does kind of lose his his uh, demeanor on the sidelines sometimes. I think he needs to chill out a little bit. Uh, he does. He got a yellow card. Like Mourinho did say it a couple of weeks ago that if he does what Klopp does on the sideline, he'll get like a red card or he wouldn't be allowed to do that. I think he definitely gets more of a backlash than Klopp. Klopp kind of gets a pass. Uh, not a lot of people talk about what he does on the sidelines, but he does he does have shouting like moments where he just goes off on revs. And for the most part, they just let him be. He got a yellow card this time, but I think he needs to calm down a little bit. Uh, I mean, he was just frustrated. West Brom set up super tight in the back. There was no holes. His, his team wasn't creating chances, so I, I get where he was coming from, but... Um, he just needs to chill out a little bit on the sideline, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, they're three points ahead of Everton. Liverpool is still top of the Premier League. I do expect them to see it out all the way to the, to the end of the season. Uh, I still believe they're the class of the 
of the Premier League. I just see them. Uh, no team. No, t- I don't see a, a team that's playing as good as them. Even if they struggled against West Brom, it's just a tough game playing against so many people in the back. But they have Newcastle next, and I think uh, I think Liverpool bounce back and they take care of Newcastle. But just shout out to West Brom for getting a point in Anfield. Uh, that was one of the surprises of the week, for sure. And on Sunday, the Wolves played Tottenham. Uh, early goal was Tottenham got an early goal, and then uh, the Wolves dominated the rest of the game. But Wolves versus Tottenham was a really good game for the Wolves, in my opinion. Other than giving away the first goal in the early minutes, which Real Patricio should have done better. In my opinion, he was trying to peek one way and the ball went the other way. He was caught kind of flat-footed. He couldn't go back the way he he had came. But Real Patricia should be doing better. Other than that, the, the Wolves dominated the whole game. Uh, I don't know what Tottenham is doing with Mourinho. They score one goal. They take a one-goal lead, and they think that's enough. In the Premier League, and in, in almost any league in the world, top-five league in the world, that is not enough. One-goal lead is nothing. If you just hunker down and put all your players behind the ball and just hope to see it through, it's never going to happen. Or for the most part, it's not going to happen. That's a tough strategy. That's a tough ask. Even if you have a world-class keeper and you have all world-class center backs and back line, it's just a hard ask to just put your team behind the ball for the whole 90 minutes. And uh, the Wolves, definitely, after going one down, they look like the aggressor. I like that they played the four, the 4-2-3-1. Four, uh, I was kind of surprised. I thought they would play the 5 and invite Tottenham. But going with the 4, I like that Nuno is not going away from it. He's trying to make that 4-2-3-1 happen. Uh, Neto had another good game. He looked He looks dangerous. Every time Neto has the ball on his foot, in the last third of the field, I get excited. It, I'm like, all right, what is he going to do? I think Wolf fans share that too. If you watch Neto play and he has the ball on his foot, I know everyone's like, all right, something good is going to happen. He's going to create something. He does those step overs. He gets crosses in. Neto, all around solid performance. He had an assist to size in the corner kick. So another solid performance by Neto. Potence had a couple shots that he could have done a little better. He had one come... He had one with Traré. The best run that Traré had was on the right side in the first half. He went through like three players, set it off to Potence. If if Potence hits it with the right, I think he gets a better shot. We try to get it to his left, and then he kind of lost the angle. He kind of lost the velocity that the ball had coming in already. So a little weak shot. And then he had another one that bounced off on a on a on a cross. It just fell to him, like at the top of the box or a little bit further. And he, he hit it pretty decently, but it got stopped. Overall, a solid game by Potence. And I was happy with the good for size. He got the tying goal. Great run in the corner kick, beating his man to the first post. He just got enough of a flick to put it. Uh, Hugo Lloris had nothing to do on that. Um, what I would like to say is I think I think the Wolves, I, I get what they're doing in their corners, but... I think too many times they they run that short corner kick and they get nothing out of it. I would like to see them just put it in there more often. Just give them a chance, size, give Cody a chance. Uh, I think they just need it. I, 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 from the short corner kicks that I've seen, they haven't been too successful or they haven't been too dangerous. I don't see them getting results. So I would like to see them just put it in the box more often. That's how they got the tight goal. I, I would like to see that a little bit more often. And I think the service... The service needs to be better, and, and I think the Wolves kind of struggled to get crosses in. Um, 
there's a lot of times where they get the ball on the sideline and the cross is there and for some reason they they don't let it rip they don't they don't cross the ball and there's like two or three players in the box and you got to give them a chance sometimes you got to just if you get the ball in the box you get a weird rebound like i said potence had a had a a ball fall to him at the top and it was a pretty good chance and that came off a cross that just bounced to him after the initial cross I think uh, the Wolves just have a crossing problem. Semedo had a had a he got into a position once where he he had a perfect chance to cross, and he had a lot of time on the ball, and it was just an abysmal cross. Other than that, Semedo had a really good game. He was uh, strong on defense. Uh, like I said, Tottenham didn't really press forward, so overall, pretty good game from by Semedo. But I think the war the Wolves need to work on those crosses, or those services. They need to be better. Uh, Silva played most. Did he play the whole game? I think he played the whole game. He did play the whole game, but he had a chance at the end. Neves does a beautiful weighted ball over, I think it was Davies, or I forgot who it was over, but it was a beautiful ball in the 94th minute. Game was tied 1-1. Silva has a beautiful chance to score the winning goal, and he just misses it. He 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 doesn't, he I mean, he didn't miss it. He hit it, but he didn't hit it right. Uh Unfortunate for him, a winner against Tottenham at home for the 18-year-old would have been ridiculous. It would have been one of the moments of the season for the Wolves. But Silva wasn't able to get the best contact on it, and Yoris saved it pretty comfortably. I like what I'm seeing from Silva. He's lively. He, he looks like he tries. He, it never looks like he's not trying on the field. He's always moving. He's always trying to get involved in the play. I like what I'm seeing from him. It, you could definitely see the potential. But we do need a striker. The Wolves need to get a striker in the January transfer market. Uh, I don't know how long Raul Jimenez is going to be out. But he still hasn't resumed training or anything. So I think it is in the Wolves' best interest if they want to have a competitive season to get a striker in the January transfer market. Silva is a nice player. He's, he's going to be there for the future. I have I believe in Silva. I have all the faith in the world in Silva. I think he's going to turn out to be just a class player but right now he's not as clinical as you will hope to see he had another chance at the beginning of the game where he he did a nice run to the front to the first post and he tried to hit it too hard and he hit the net instead of the goal even the commentator was saying if he takes a little bit off that ball maybe hits it with the inside of his foot a little gently then it goes in and he scores but he tried to just blast it and he wasn't able to hit it as accurate as he would have if he hadn't gone for so much power so yeah, I think the Wolves need a striker in January. Uh, Ortigi from Liverpool. Uh, Costa is, is being linked to somebody. I think somebody needs to get brought in to score goals to bring a little bit more of a veteran presence up there. Otusawi got some playing minutes at the end. I think he did good. He had a couple of tackles that you're just like, wow, that's impressive. I think he. we need to keep playing Otusawi. He looks great. He, he looks like he could develop into a great player too. So I'm excited to see what happens with him moving forward. But overall, after the blunder, after the mistake in the opening minutes, Wolves looked like the dominant team. They looked good. They looked solid. It was a much better performance against Tottenham than against Burnley. And they have Manchester United next, which should be electric. United is on fire right now. And Wolves, uh, they're, they're a good counterattacking team. So we see how they, how they play against Man, Man United. Uh, will they go to a back five against Manchester United? Uh, if, if they do, I would not be surprised. That it, Honestly, that's probably what I would do. Put a back five against 
Manchester United, they look very dominant right now. If they play a back four, then that would be that'll be ballsy. That'll be that'll be impressive. I'll be like, whoa, okay. Like we're really trying to take it to these teams. Either way, I'll be content. Just want to have a good games by the Wolves. But Wolves versus Manchester United, that's the next game for the Wolves. That should be a good one. Make sure to tune into that. And moving along to the NBA. Uh all the Christmas games were kind of whack, in my opinion. Uh the matches were pretty good. I was hyped to see them, but uh they were not that good they were all blowouts so i'm not really going to touch on that uh really disappointing how I, I watched most all of them basically the whole all of christmas uh and for the most part by the fourth quarter the end of the third quarter the game was decided we know who who was going to win but yesterday or on sunday the clippers lost by 51 points to the mavs they were down 50 at halftime the worst defeat in franchise history by the Clippers. What is going on? I know it's one game. Paul George said it after the game. It's just one game. But it's definitely alarming. The problem that I have by this is that they were down 50 at halftime. All right, Everybody was clowning on them. Uh, everybody, I mean, I wonder how that halftime speech went with Tyron Lue. Uh, I don't think Tyron Lue is that great of a coach, so I don't know what he told them or what he said. But the fact that they were down 50 at halftime and they lost by 51, that just doesn't sit right with me as as a team. <clears throat> Someone on that team has to say, all right, we might not come back from 50, but we're definitely not going to lose by 50. We're going to make this respectable. Let's lose by 20. Let's lose by 25. Let's, let's not lose by 50. And you, <laughs> you end up losing by 51. So you get outscored in the second half, too. And is that that just does not sit right with me? I, I have a problem with that. I think it kind of shows that they have no fight in them. What happened to the Clippers of two seasons ago that had all these dogs on that team that gave the Warriors a, a little bit of a scare in the first season? That got Durant a little flustered. That had Durant like having to play his best or calling them out in the post game conference because they were just getting to him. What happened to those Clippers? That's the problem. I don't have a problem that they lost. I don't even have a problem that they got blown out. I have a problem with the fact that they were down 50 at halftime and they lost by 51. Like, I don't know. It just shows, for me, that shows a lack of character, a lack of heart, a lack of, of love for the jersey. Like, if I really love the jersey that I'm wearing, if I really, like, let's say I'm playing for the Clippers or the Lakers or somebody, and I and I, I, I just love the jersey that I'm playing for, I respect it, I, I'll do anything to win for this jersey, losing by 50 would be one of those things that just doesn't sit right with me. If I'm losing by 50 at halftime, I'm going to do everything I can to make the final score respectable. Lose by 30, lose by 25, lose by 20. Let's do something to just make this loss a little better to not get embarrassed like we already got embarrassed in the first half let's not get embarrassed in the second half and they lost by 51 so that means they got outscored by one in the second half i know quiet was out but the mavs didn't have haven't, haven't had christopher singers for the whole year so and they have the clippers top to bottom they should have a better roster everyone's talking about how they got luke Kennard and they got Ibaka and they just paid Luke Kennard and Ibaka is supposed to be this great rim defender that could stretch the floor and Paul George was talking during the offseason he was calling out Doc Rivers he was saying that he doesn't know how to use him and Doc Rivers was using him like uh was that like a he was using him like that three-point shooter that just having him run off uh uh just having him 
run off screens and just be a three point shooter. He was he. I just didn't like. I, I, if Paul George is gonna do all that talking, he talked about how he's back with his trainer. His shoulder feels great. Uh, after the game last, after the previous game on Christmas, he talked to Shaq and and the whole TNT crew, and he was saying that he's gonna keep it going for the whole season. That he's he feels good, and they were like, "But can you keep this going for the rest of the season into the playoffs?" And he said, "Yes." He was saying that he feels great. He, he was talking. He went on podcasts. He was talking about how this is the best he's felt since his MVP season. I, I don't know what MVP he's talking about, but PG has done a lot of talking, and now without Kawhi, this was a great moment for him to step up and show what he got. And he just laid another goose egg and. It just all these memories of pandemic P just came rush, rushing back to to my head and I don't know I know it's just one game maybe I'm overreacting but I don't know I have a problem with them losing by fifty one after being down fifty at halftime it it just doesn't sit right with me I don't know if I'm overreacting but losing get being down fifty at halftime would be one thing losing by fifty one not not cutting into the lead. In the second half, just giving up, folding, losing by 51, that does not sit right with me. Uh, Kawhi shouldn't have that big of an impact if he sits down. They should still be a respectable team. We'll see how they bounce back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's starting to see, like, all these uh, the excuses that the Clippers had for last season was that Doc didn't know how to coach. The locker room uh, was not the best. And... Montrez Harrell can't defend. And Montrez Harrell is gone. And they, they're they getting blown out. Tyron Lue. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how the Clippers do. I might be overreacting. But uh, the Mavs hadn't looked that great. They were 0-2. And they went into Staples Center and beat down the Clippers without Kawhi. But if they would have just lost by 20 or something, I wouldn't have a problem. They lost by 51. That's unacceptable. And uh, they they were down fifty at halftime, and they lost by fifty one. That's that's I don't know. Maybe I'm harping on that too much, but that's the main issue that I have with this team. Uh, like, you don't cut into the deficit; you just take, you just let it happen. Like, I find that upsetting. I I don't know. You guys, let me know. Am I overreacting? Is that if, if Clipper fans out there or just NBA fans out there? What do you guys think about this? Like, would you have a problem if your team is down fifty and at halftime and they lose by fifty one? Or is it just not a big deal? It's just one game. But flipping the coin, the Lakers beat the Timberwolves 127-91. to It was an easy win for the Lakers, uh, albeit the Wolves did not have Cat. They, not, they didn't have Carl Anthony Towns. He has an issue with his hand or his wrist. So hopefully Cat gets healthy soon. But for the Lakers, Ku showed up. He had early and often. He had 20 first half points. He actually finished the game with 20 points. He, he only took one shot after the first half. So if Kuz plays like this, the rest of the league has no chance. If Kuz looks this dominant, if he looks this confident, if his shots are going in and he's playing with all that energy that he brought yesterday, the NBA has no chance of stopping the Lakers. The key for the Lakers and the key for Kuz is to just get him in this type of flow when AD is playing. So Kuz... Usually comes off the bench, and he's a sixth man, and he's supposed to lead that second, that second offense, that second team. But yesterday, AD sat down. He, he was load managing, I guess. He was just taking care of them. Short off season, so Kuz got to start. And every time Kuz starts, when AD or LeBron is out, 
he's just a different man. He, his confidence is way high. He believes in himself. He's, he just makes all these shots. He does all the right plays. Kuz looks amazing if either AD or LeBron is not playing. And again, he showed it yesterday. The key for the Lakers, for uh, for Kuz, is just to get him in that same mindset when AD and LeBron are playing. Just, hey, don't hesitate. Just keep playing. Keep playing like how, how we know you're capable of. Um, and uh, the Lakers, for the most part, they're passing the ball amazingly yesterday. It looked like the Showtime Lakers. Even Kuz was doing extra passes. There was a couple of times where he could have gone for a layup. And he passed it behind the back to somebody that was trailing. It just looks good. The Lakers look good, if I do say so myself. Uh, they look really, really deep. They have uh, Kuz, LeBron, AD, Schroeder can all get their buckets, could all score. They don't need an uh, offense to score points. They could all get their own shots. And then you have Thornton Tucker, Harold, Caldwell Pope as secondary scorers who could all... All of them have the potential to score 15, 15 plus any given night. And that was shown uh, against uh, the Mavs on Christmas Day. I think Kuz, I mean, uh, LeBron, AD, Shooter, and Harold combined for like 96 points in that game. So the Lakers were really, really deep. Uh, they're going to be a problem this year. They were great last year and they're deeper this year. And Marcus Saul had his first like breakout game of, of the season, he had eight assists. He was doing these beautiful bounce passes to cutters. The spacing was great. Gasol was getting the ball at the top of the three-point line and just dictating the offense. It was like five out. The paint was completely wide open. You had LeBron cutting. You had Kuzma cutting. You had uh, Caruso cutting. It was just a beautiful game. Overall game by by the Lakers against the Wolves. I know it was the Wolves without Cat, so you got to take it with the grain of salt. But the Lakers... Look impressive. Uh, Kuz looked good. Uh, another good game. Solid game by Shooter and Harrell. And just overall, it's a good start of the season by the Lakers. Uh, I have them going to the finals and repeating. I have them playing the the Bucks in the finals. And nothing I've seen from the season so far has deterred the Lakers. The, the, the Bucks, the Bucks kind of struggled so far out of the gate. We'll see how they how they play. But the Lakers definitely look like the best team in the NBA so far. And uh, I feel like they're going to coast to a playoff spot. I don't know if they'll go for the first seed. Uh, but the team looks like it has great chemistry at this point. Um, they look like they're all concentrating. It looks like a good team. Uh, they got Everyone got to play yesterday because they had such a big lead. Uh, Cook got to play. Everybody got to play. So it was good to see. Everyone got, got minutes. And the Lakers just look dominant. They look very deep. Uh, and if Kuz can keep this play up, can play like this with AD on the court, with AD in the lineup, then I believe no one has a chance to beat the Lakers. And even if Kuz doesn't play like that, they should still be the favorites. But overall, great performance by the Lakers. Impressive, impressive showing last night against the Wolves. And that's it for my NBA section. Uh, that should wrap it up for episode number 25. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, episode 26 should be coming out towards the end of the week. I'll look into week 17 of the NFL season. But everyone have a great rest of your day. And I'm out. Have a great day.